week we talked about chapter one, and last week was we looked at the productive Christian life, the, the life in us and through us. Uh, my last two points last week were living unashamed and living worthy of his calling, uh, that, that God has put stuff in us to, to live through us for the world around us. So uh, this week, I've got four more thoughts and points. Some of them, you're going to be like, man, I feel like you talk about these a lot. Can I say that when I do that, it's, it's kind of like Paul when he says, you know, listen closely or, you know, always remember. It's like, I, I want to make sure that we get this in. So let's look at Philippians 2. We're going to look at verses 1 through 5 to start this week off. And so 1 through 5 says this, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and one purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. God, I just pray right now that your spirit would uh, speak through me, that it's not my words, it's yours. Open up our hearts to hear. God, your word says, if you have an ear, let them hear. I believe you're talking about a spiritual ear to lean into your goodness and your word. So Jesus, speak truth to us and let it fall on good soil. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I wanna look, there's two thoughts that God gave me in this set of scriptures in Philippians. And the first one is this, it's real simple, it's one another. Y'all have heard me say that saying over and over and over and over and over again. Because here's my point on all of this about one another is that it's what is so, Jesus was so uh, purposeful about living a life that, that impacted other people. When we see others the way that Jesus does, it changes our world. It does. When we see through the lens of Jesus, when we see through the lens of God's word, then it changes our world. It changes who we are. And here's more importantly, it changes the why and the how we live. It changes the why. It no longer says it's all about me and how I can live my life and getting to the end of my life, this is how I want it to look. But it says, I know that I'm gonna have a good life if I can also make sure that my focus is outward and on others because when I better myself inward, I'm going to push people to better themselves as well. And so the goal is not just to, to, to be the best I can, but to be as close to Jesus and to impact others the way that he did. I had this thought, so I put it down, and I want you to, 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 I want you to uh, just sit and linger on this, that what if it was your fill in the blank? What if it was your mother? your father, or your sibling, or your best friend. You know, when you, when, when you treat people a certain way, would you want somebody to treat your family that way? When you speak to somebody, would you want them to speak to your significant other that way? How would you want people to interact and react with you? You know, so when we get kind of that, that cop and attitude, like how dare they, would we want somebody to react how we're feeling to our significant people. Because how many have ever had that where they come back and maybe it's a, a lunch break or, or you talk to your, your parents on the phone or your siblings on the phone or whatever and they go, oh, you'll never believe how somebody treated me and you take on their offense. How many have ever taken on the offense of somebody else when you had no reason to? You're just like, I feel mad too. Let's go hit them together. 
We take, because it's important to us, because if somebody does somebody that I care about wrong, then I, I feel like there's an injustice that has happened. Some of us feel that way just by watching movies. Anybody ever get mad at something that isn't even real? I'm going to find Thanos. I'm going to snap his head off. Maybe just me. But, you know, it's, it's, you know you, you, you re, it's like you watch a movie and you walk away like you're upset. You're like, oh, like it's not real. It's okay. I've always said this, and, and, and now as I get older, my emotions get a little bit more uh, sentimental, I guess you could say. But I can still say I have yet to cry at a movie. I'm hoping, like, honestly, at this point in my life, I'm just hoping that I can go my whole life without crying at a movie. I don't know. Like, that sounds so sad and pathetic, but I'm like, look, I've almost made 40 years without crying at a movie. I really feel like I need to, this is like a goal for me. Like, Jesus, you need to take me before I cry at a movie, okay? I've never cried at a movie. Now, I've gotten teared up. I've gotten that, you know, that gigantic apple in your throat, and, you, you know, you have to man up and breathe deeply. I've gotten that moment. Actually, the movie that I talked about a few weeks ago, Just Mercy, did that to me. And I was on a plane, and I'm like, can't cry. People are going to think I'm weird. People are going to, like, start to question, and they're going to have to land the plane for an emergency, get the psycho off. And so I, I just, I never have. But, you know, you get those feelings, those emotions. We are created to be emotional people. But we can't let our emotions dictate us. And I've said this over and over again. We cannot let like, oh, I feel angry, so therefore I've got to let my anger out. No. The Bible says that you can be angry and not sin in your anger. The Bible says that, that we are not to be controlled by emotions, but that our, our spirit is the, the overseer and the controller of all of us. And so therefore, those are the things that are important. And so we learn to control. I've always, I've had it said this way. We don't let, th- we don't let the tail wag the dog, right? You know, if you, if you walk your dog and, 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 and its butt's moving so much that it can't even walk, there's an issue with your dog. You, I'm, just, I'm just saying, you know, uh, your dog should be able to, to walk normally. I mean, you can wag its tail, but it, it, the back end doesn't get to dictate the front end, Okay. And, and so many times, that's how we let our emotions, our, our emotions are, are back here, and it's just wagging us around and, and throwing us into all sorts of issues. And, our, and then we start to treat people differently. We start to interact with people differently. Romans 12, 12 through 18 says this, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, <laughs> faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate uh, with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. This whole segment is about how we treat people. And, and, and so you wonder why, like, why is it so important to Pastor Scott that we, that we are a church that focuses on other people? Because it was important all throughout the New Testament, all throughout Scripture, that our focus isn't about just us, but how we live in the world around us. That on our worst day, we are focused and, and, and able to be the person that God has called us to be. 
And that is through training. Uh, anybody ever heard the saying where, you know, you revert back to your lowest uh, form of training? It's true. And so, and so when, you, when, when you have not trained yourself, when you have not put yourself in a position to win on your worst day, to focus in, and man, I'm having a bad day, but you know what? I have focused in on Jesus so much that even on my bad days, it's not as bad as it could be. See, Romans 12 gives you helpful how-tos of biblical living for others. I love that. So let, let, me, let me give you a short list of what that said so that you can see this. It says, practice hospitality. Practice it. We should be hospitable. Anybody ever been at a meal with friends and you're fighting over who's going to pay the check? That, that's, hospi- that's hospitality. Don't be the guy that always expects other people to pay for you. Nobody will want to go out with you. Or, or, or just that simple things of like opening the door, like waiting that extra 10 seconds so other people can go through. Smiling when, 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 when you look at people, which is, I'm not saying ever, you know, please don't like, I don't know how to smile. Like, no, don't freak people out. If you can't smile, smirk. I don't know. Like, <laughs> but in other words, have joy when you interact with people. Practice hospitality. Bless those that curse you. This Because, listen, our culture says the absolute opposite, right? It says curse those that curse you. It says says, shun those that curse you. It says says to be hurtful to those that hurt you. If they they give you a good yo mama joke, you better give one ten times worse back. For those of you that are my age, you know how important those yo mama jokes were in the 90s. Oh, we used to sit there and say them all day long. You know, <laughs> until it like until they said one that really stung, and you're like, "Whoa!" Because that get too far close to home. Because my mom isn't as big as the world, but you start to hit something that's too, you know. Now we go. Now we gonna fight. It, it's it's that it's that blessing the those that curse you. The Bible actually says, and I love this part. It says that um, the best way to overcome your enemy is to pray for them because it's like it's like heaping hot coals on their heads. And I've always said this, like, could you imagine, like, somebody making fun of you or, or giving you a hard time or your boss is laying into you and you go, you know what, I just want to let you get, I'm going to pray for you. Or you just stop and pray for them. Like, could you imagine, like, somebody's just ripping into you, like, and you're just like, Jesus, I just thank you for my boss. They're so good. God, I, I pray that you would just, God, that you would let, them know, let him know or her know that you love them. And that you want to bless them. Like, how do, you, how do you get mad at, how do you keep going? You know, it's like, that just diffuses a circumstance. Could you imagine being in an argument with your significant other, and then it just as they take a deep breath, you go, you know what, let's pray. Jesus, I love this person with all my heart. And I pray that you would help them see the ways of their errors. No, I'm just playing, listen. <laughs> That'll get you knocked out in the spirit. You wake up speaking in tongues. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, like, like, don't do that. Don't, but, but could you imagine, like, just, could you imagine being in an argument and all of a sudden you diffuse the situation by saying, hey, can we pray? Because whatever you're, whatever you're arguing about, whether it's a massive big thing, like, you know, your wife just drained your bank account or you went and bought a car without her knowing, that never happened, by the way. Um, and <laughs> it did, but, shh, um, we didn't drain the bank account. I did buy a car without her knowing. Um, and so, uh, which by the way, guys, I'm just going to let you know, this is a freebie for the marriage on the rock. 
don't buy a car without your significant other knowing. It's, it's a bad idea. I came home all excited. She had, we had just bought her a new car like the month before. And I came home and I'm like, hey, you'll never guess what I did. And she's like, I don't know. You've been gone in a while. And I'm like, I bought a car. And she's like, ha, ha, ha. And I'm like, no, seriously, it's out there. And she's like, take it back. <laughs> this isn't like a pair of jeans. We can't do that. <laughs> They've already got my other car. <laughs> Sorry. Aren't you excited for me? I got a new car. She's like, that's not how this works. So by the way, this, that's just, that's free. That is a hundred percent freebie for you. Don't do that. Okay. But I should have, when she did that and she was upset, I should have said, let's pray about it. <laughs> I don't know if that would have helped in the moment, but we did, listen, praying does diffuse those things. I, I joke and I kid, but, but could you imagine, like I learned from our friends, Caleb and Alyssa, like, we throw worship music on just randomly in our house through our little home speakers, you know, the CIA that listens to you. And, uh, and, and so we'll tell it to play worship so that the FBI is going to, you know, get to know Jesus. And, and it just, could you, like, worship just changed. I was talking with Rodney this week. And uh, he posted about listening to worship. And he stopped by the house. We were kind of talking after uh, he was at work. And, and we just started talking about that. He's like, man, I've been listening to worship all day. And he goes, he goes, I've done, ran out of my worship playlist. I need to find a new one. He goes, but it's amazing how different my mind functions when worship is at the core of what I'm listening to. And it's so true. When we invite Jesus into those moments in our life and into those relationships that are in our life, it is amazing what God can do even in the bad relationships, even in the tough relationships. So we got to bless those that curse you. We got to rejoice and mourn with others. When somebody's happy, be happy for them. Don't, don't try to one-up them to, you know, how many have ever been had those friends that no matter what you're happy about, they've got to be happy about something greater. Man, I cooked a great steak. Well, you've never had my steak. Shut up. I'm not talking about your steak. I'm just saying I had a good steak. Well, I was able to go and do this. Well, I've been there too. Like, it's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless you, not, not curse you. I'm going to pray for you because you're testing me. We need to rejoice with one another. We need, when, 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 when Blake says, man, I, I had a tough test and, and, and I, I got 100% on it like he did last week. Mad props to the smart kid in the room. We go, that's awesome. I can't pronounce half the words you look at. But that's awesome. I'm proud, you know, like, I, he brought his book over one day and he was like, say that word. I was like, Thimidacrinibaritis. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, he's, a, he's, a, he's a doctor nurse guy in practice and he's got these mad words and I'm like, I, mad props, I rejoice with you because then he'd say it. I'm like, yeah, that word. You make it sound so easy. Do we celebrate those wins? Or do we try to be better than? We've got to rejoice with those that rejoice and mourn with those that mourn. Don't be proud or conceited. I think that's self-explanatory, but really hard. Because for me, like, maybe that's just for me. I have the, the natural tendency, I am a proud person. It is something that, like, when people talk about, like, their flaws, my flaw is I can be very proud. Um, and, and, and just, you know, I want to elevate and, and be better than. Like, if you tell me I can't do something, I will do it just out of spite, just to show you I can. Even if I like it or don't like it, it doesn't matter. 
I didn't like soccer. Hated soccer. Somebody said, you can't play soccer because I had a heart murmur when I was a kid. <laughs> Watch me go play soccer. I still don't like soccer. I don't understand about, I don't run around and kick a ball. I don't know. People would say the same thing about baseball and football, but I love it. I think soccer. I'm like, I just, it makes no sense to me. It's, I, you know, I guess. But don't be proud or conceited. It's one of the things that God has had to humble me and show me that, that listen, you don't benefit others when it's all about you. Don't repay evil with evil. And then I love that last line in, in Romans where it says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, not, well, you don't understand what they said to me. Doesn't matter. You don't understand what they did to me. Does not matter. Because it doesn't say as, long, as much as it depends on the other person in the argument, the other person in the room, your other person that you work with. No, no, it says as much as it depends on you. Live at peace with people. Don't let people dictate how your life and your world is to be uh, created. Don't allow people to have that kind of freedom and that kind of power in your life that they dictate the peace in your life. So I challenge you, whether you need to take a picture of it, if you've written it down, whatever, I challenge you to live these out when, in, in your relationships in your daily life. If you do that, I promise you, you will be an amazing person. Just so, even if you do half of those, you're gonna, like, people are going to love hanging around you. I really believe that. That we have got to put others first. We've got to love others. We've got to have an each other mentality. The second thing that we find in that set of scriptures at the uh, um, very end of it is that we, it talks about the attitude of Christ. And um, I think it's important that we have that. In, not in Romans, but in Philippians, it says you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had, right? And so what does that mean? It goes back to the kind of that, that saying that was really big back when I was, I think, a freshman, and we had, like, I had the, the, the bracelet, I had the, even the lanyard um, the, the, with the key, that the what would Jesus do lanyard. I, they're coming back. I think my kids have bracelets back again. I should have just kept all my stuff and handed it off to them. Um, and, and, but it's, and it gets cliche and corny, you know, what would Jesus do, you know? And that's how it kind of became. But it's such a powerful question. Like, what if you look at the circumstances that you're walking through and you just ask that simple question, what would Jesus do? Would Jesus react this way? Would Jesus say that word? Would Jesus uh, watch this show or listen to this music? Or, or would he allow this environment to correct and to change him? When I was a youth pastor, I would tell teenagers that Jesus does not go wherever they want him to. And so we have to, it would be like, um, Blake, I'm going to use you. Come on up. Rodney's not here. See, so you got to fill in. Come on. Yeah, come on. So, so it's, it, the visual of this is, is this, is that Blake's going to be Jesus because um, he just looks better than me. So he, he could be Jesus. So, uh, and, he's, and he's got a beard too, so he's good. Um, we'd have to grow your, your lovely curly locks out a little bit, but you know. Uh, but he's Jesus, and, 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 and this is, if we had a visual, if you could see Jesus in your life, and, and we're going to go do things, it's, it, it would be like, hey, c- come on, Jesus, we're going we're gonna to go get drunk. <laughs> he's like, whoa, <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 not, that's not okay. Like, he, naturally, I didn't even ask him to stop. He was just like, no, Jesus doesn't go there. <laughs> now, Jesus may go where the drinks are. Nope, don't go away. Stay right there. Jesus may go to the bar. 
but he's not going to have the drink. And, and we want Jesus to be okay with everything that we do. We want Jesus, hey, Jesus, we're going to go cuss out our boss. You better fight me. <laughs> oh, easy, easy, tiger. You are stronger than me. I get it, okay? <laughs> he said, throw me around. And, 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 and I'm like, oh, we're going to do it. Jesus, let's go argue with my wife. Now, listen, he's going to go to the argument, but he's going to try to tell me to behave. He's going to give me wisdom. But he's not okay with the things. That he doesn't, I don't, just don't get to drag Jesus into all of my sin, and he's okay with it. Like, oh, Jesus is so loving and kind and caring, and he doesn't care what you do. That's a lie. That's a, like the Bible says there is truth that Jesus stands by and stands on. He was gracious. And he was kind and he was loving. And he would say things like, he would, he would say things like where, where, where I have sinned. If, if I went and, because here, here's the reality of what we'd have to do. If I really want to do that, then here's what I would have to do. Jesus, you stand right here while I go and do my sin. I would have to make the decision to tell him to stay so that I can go and do what I want to do because I know that Jesus is not okay with it. And so many times, that's what we do. We tell Jesus, Jesus, <laughs> you're cool, but I want to go do something that you're not going to be proud of. So I need you to stay. Don't, don't come with me. Stay, and I'm going to go do this. And I turn, listen, this is a, an insanely, you get critical picture. We have to turn our back on the Jesus that loves us and cares for us to go do the things that are not pleasing to his heart. And if we just tune in and we lean into Jesus, he's going to say, no, nah, we're, we're not going to go there. We're not going to do that. We're not going to say those things. Follow me. Right? That's what he's, he says. Come and follow me. And we have to make the decision. Am I Lord of my life or is Jesus Lord of my life? Because Jesus is not a follower. He doesn't follow you into the heartache and the sin and, the, and all of that. He wants to save you from that. He wants to pull you from that. And, and here's the cool part about Jesus is that when you make those mistakes, because we will make those mistakes, Jesus, when you come back to him, he's going to go, you know what? That was not a good choice. But like the woman at the well and like the woman uh, who was dragged before him and like the blind people and the, and, the, and, and the people were, he would say, listen, pick up your mat and walk. Go and sin no more. It was never a condemning, never made, never made you feel beat down for what you walked through. But he's saying, that, did that feel good? Because sin will feel good for a moment, right? You'll, you'll, the, the party felt good. That drinking felt good. That, that, you know what? It felt so good to cuss that person out. Let's be honest. In the moment, it feels good. But then as a Christian, when you come back to Jesus and you realize, I done messed up. And that person knows that I'm a Christian and knows that I love you. And, and now, now I, I, I'm, I'm sitting before his presence and, and I'm realizing I shouldn't have done that. And he doesn't go, yeah, you shouldn't have. Oh, you horrible person. Oh, let's, let's talk about it. Let's beat you up for it. He goes, no, you know what? That wasn't good. But you're forgiven. Now, don't do it again. Let's learn from it. So Jesus says, I'm not going to go. I'm, I'm not going to be okay with it, but, but I'm going I'm to help you through this. Thank you. He had such a hard job stand there. Make sure that Jesus didn't move. You're pretty strong there, buddy. Next time I'll try, though. Uh, 
But how many times have we told Jesus in our spirit by our actions, no, you stay here while I go and do whatever I want. I go say whatever I want. Well, I go act and do. And then we come to him. And because, listen, sin, the, the, the pastors that say sin feels so bad. Sin feels good. The Bible says that. The Bible says that sin feels good for the moment. It's the after the moment. It's like the aftertaste. When you've had like something that tastes really good, and then you get that aftertaste, and you're like, ugh. It's like coconut. That's just, just me. Or like, uh, for me, uh, we had, and, and it was really good. I actually really enjoyed it, but I don't like bell peppers. And so, like, I took that first bite, and I know some of you are like, you don't like bell I know, I get it. But I, I had this bite of sausage and rice and all this good mixture, but then the very last taste that I had from that bite was bell peppers, and it was like, ugh. That's sin. Sin is onions, it's bell peppers, it's, it's whatever you don't like that aftertaste, Okay? It's that, it's that moment where at the first couple of bites, oh, it feels so good. But then you're like, you get that last taste and it's like, oh, why did I eat this? Why did I go there? Why did I say this? I want to have the attitude of Christ that what would Jesus do? That most of my decisions would be ran through the Holy Spirit. God, is this going to please you? What if this was the question we asked before we spoke, before we acted and before we thought? That your thought process, your actions, your purpose should line up with the very nature of Jesus and the word of God. I put this on the screen because I thought it was very important. Your opinion and rights are secondary to the will of God. And that's a tough thing to chew. Because in this country, at least, our opinion and rights, they're top dog. I've got opinions and I get to say them. And God says, is it really the best? Is your opinion really the best? Is your rights really the best? Paul says that you have, even if they're legal, is it really the best thing for you? Right? It's legal to drink. And, and I've never, I, will, I will never say that drinking is bad. Like, I will never condemn you for having a, a glass of wine or a beer or, like, that's not who I am. But what's your motive behind it? I'll never say that watching scary movies is bad. I, I do not agree with it spiritually. I also won't condemn you for it, but I will ask you, what is the motive behind it? Because that's the question that Jesus would ask. What is the motive behind you doing this? Your opinion and your rights are always secondary to the will of God. So the, the first through, few thoughts from Philippians 1 through 5 is we have to focus on one another and we have to have the attitude of Christ. So let's look at the, the second or the middle part of Philippians 2, verses 14 and 16. It says, do everything without complaining and arguing. Amen. So that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. And I got two points for you this morning off of those two. And the first one is this, no complaining and no arguing. Sounds like, I sound like a parent right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, what, what, what's the saying? You get what you get and you don't throw a fit. <laughs> Every parent's favorite line, right? You know, you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. 
It's, it's, it's that, listen, we want our kids to, to not have a complaining attitude, but how many times do we sound like that child going to God? God, it's unfair, my life. Why do they get stuff and I don't? Why do I get passed up for that job? Why is everybody else in a relationship, but I'm over here with my ice cream and my lifetime movies? We're over here complaining and arguing. And the Bible says, strictly, do everything. How much is in everything? I mean, it's pretty, covers all, all things. Do everything without complaining and arguing. You're like, we're not perfect. I know, but what a great thing to strive for. Don't get, listen, if you have a plan B, what will happen? You'll use it. I mean, think about it. If you start a relationship and thinking, well, I got an exit strategy, you'll use it. If you start a job with an exit strategy, guess what? You'll leave it. If you already have a way out, you've already got a foot out. And if we treat Jesus the same way, when we don't like what happens, when we're, well, why, why am I not getting the blessings? Why is my bank account not full? Why is my food, uh, why is my refrigerator not always got food in it? And you're going, well, God, this has to be on you, so I'm out. God was never meant to make life easy, but he was to make it purposeful. The opposite of complaining is praising, right? If we don't want our, if we don't want our kids to complain, what should they do? They should praise something. If we don't want to be complainers ourselves, we should praise something. And the opposite of arguing is agreement. Now, this is not running around saying that you have to be yes men to everything. But I want you to understand this. What if we found more to praise than to uh, complain about? What if we found value in people and value in stuff and value and the worth of people in our lives instead of the complaint? Oh, I have to deal with that person again. And I'm not saying it's easy. Listen, <laughs> I have learned that there are people in Camden when I hear their name over the radio, there's like nails on a chalkboard that happen in my life. I won't say their names on over the microphone. But we have what we call frequent flyers here in Camden in the police department when, and their names get stated over the radio multiple, multiple times. And you hear this call come in, go to this place for this person. And you're like, oh. But how many times have people done that about Camden? Camden. And they can't even say it with a positive, like, oh, you live in Camden. I told you all about when we first moved here, we went to the bank and we opened up a bank account and the, the people said, are you going to put your people in, uh, your kids in Camden School District? Yeah, <laughs> we are. Oh, I'm sorry. It's like, you can't eat like, and, and we knew like, we're like, we've been doing all this studying about Camden. We're like, ugh, like, why would you, why would, why are you so negative? Why not be part of the change? Why, why not, if, if you want, like, instead of bagging on our teachers, why don't you praise them? Because we will work harder when we are praised for the job that we are doing well. Good job, teachers, for dealing with tough students every now and then or every day. <laughs> teachers, do we praise the tough students? Because it's easy to praise the good ones. I was a good one. My wife, on the other hand, <laughs> I, I love her. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get it for that one. But 
I was, I, was, I was a student that you really didn't have to, you know, like, it just, I was there, I did my work, I was a straight-A student, I was, I'm even getting faces from Scott, she's like, ugh, we hate you. Uh, I know, um, but, and, and what do they say, the squeaky wheel always gets the oil, or the grease, or whatever the, you want to say, it. I'm learning more Southern uh, uh, terms, by the way, by working with a guy uh, in, in Detective, he's got more Southern words than I know what to do with. It's It's crazy. The troubled kids get picked on. They get just, I mean, listen, I get it. We've got enough teachers in the room. I, I, your, your shoulders weigh heavy with the kids that aren't doing well or doing right. The encouragement to us is what if we praise them for what they are doing right? Maybe they don't have parents at home telling them doing a good job. Maybe they don't have parents at home looking into their life. Maybe, maybe the struggle is real. Maybe you work with somebody who has never uh, been given real compliments. We need to learn to praise people and find value and worth in people. We need to find more to agree on than to disagree on. How many realize that more conversations are about, you know, making arguments than actually learning about people and, and, and fighting each other? Oh, if you like red, I like blue. Sky's green? No, it's purple. Right? We, we constantly want to argue with people and get our voice and our opinion all out there. I, I would encourage you. What if you cre- created, how many have ever heard of the, the swear jar where you put like 50 cents or a quarter or a dollar if you're really like into it? And, you know, you put that swear jar. What if you had a negative jar? Every time you said a negative thing, you put a dollar in there. You're either going to go broke or have a really great vacation. <laughs> like, like every, because listen, eventually you're going to go, I'm sick and tired of putting money in this jar because I'm sick and tired of saying negative things. And it's going to, like, could you imagine you get to the end of the week and you're like, I got $150 in this jar. Some of you are going, dang. Some of you are like, that's just one day. The enemy is, is killing your spirit. By pumping, allowing negative thoughts to run through and and to act on them. No complaining and no arguing. What if we made the decision to fill our heart, mind, and soul with things that uplift and encourage? What if we strive to be better instead of tearing down we built up? Both within ourselves and through others. We've got to allow God to build us up and and to speak those things. And maybe you need to go home and you need to look at scriptures that that, that talk about you are a child of God. You are an overcomer. You have more strength. There are many, 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 many scriptures about what God thinks about you. Maybe you need to look them up and write them down. Because when you start to get it yourself, you will give it to others. Encourage yourself through God's word. What does he say about you? What did you do right today? When you lay your head on the, ta- uh, on the uh, pillow at night, don't run through all the things you did wrong. Run through all the things you did right. And allow God to work on the things the next day. When you feel good, you give good. When, when you've had a good day, don't you just want, like, man, I, I want to I give that away to other people. I want to bless people. The last thing. We need to shine bright. We need to shine bright. Shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. That's what this scripture said. Matthew 5, 14 through 16 says it this way. You. Look at your neighbor say you. You are the light of the world. 
A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. When we were teenagers, we uh, took a, what was it, like a 12-hour drive from our hometown uh, to, uh, it was for summer camp and it was on the Nevada-California border. And we're driving and it's night and it's pitch black and there's, you know, two van fulls of teenagers with a couple of adults in each one. God, feel sorry for those adults. Um, and, and, and honestly, like, our conversation was like, where in the world are we going? There's nothing out here. And they're like, and, and, and to make it worse, the only thing we knew about where we were going was we were going to a hotel called Whiskey Pete's. That sounds like where evil, you know, horror movies begin. We're like, where? And, and like for hours, it was just pitch black driving through the California, Nevada desert. Where are we going? And then we go down a hill and we go down a hill and we get down to the bottom and we start going up and all of a sudden we start to see cars going the opposite. We're like, where are these cars coming? It's like Field of Dreams. If you build it, they will come. And we're like, where are these cars coming from? We get up over the hill and all of a sudden it was like, boom, a city out of nowhere. Like, whoa, are we going to Vegas? That's what it felt like, seriously. Um, and, and we see this, this massive hotel, and it's got bright lights and, and all sorts of stuff. And there it was, Whiskey Pizza. And we're like, it's not a crazy hotel where serial killers live. Yay. Just came out of nowhere. It couldn't hide itself to save its life. There was so many lights. And that's what Jesus says we are. We're a bright light in a dark world. When everybody else sees the negative, when everybody else sees hardship, when everybody else is, is looking down and saying, woe is me, you are a bright light to shine in this world, to show off Jesus, to show off his love and to show off his goodness and kindness. You are the change that this world needs. When you shine bright, things change. Now listen, I'm gonna, I, I don't want to get up here and be like, oh, if you, if you shine bright and you're just full of positivity and rainbows, your, your circumstances are going to change. no. God's word does not say that, but your perspective will. Your perspective will shift to what God is walking you through. I want you to see a video that has been playing over and over again this week. That right there is in Ukraine. This is in the capital of Kiev, Kiev, or however you pronounce that. That's where it is. Listen, they are literally in the middle of a war. They are literally in the middle of chaos. Most of those people have probably been uh, afraid. They're, they're hiding under subways and, and, and bridges and all of that from the bombs and all of that raining down. And what is the church doing? They're worshiping. Literally, in the middle of war, the church says, let's gather and worship God. As people are walking around and, and, and afraid and there's, there's fear and, and, and people are, what are we going to do? And what are we? Listen, some of them may have lost their house or their apartment. Family may have been split up. That's the reality of their life right now. 
instead of going, woe is me, instead of saying, oh, our life sucks, they gather and they say, let's worship God in the public. Let's bring peace to the chaos. Let's bring comfort to the crazy. There's other pictures of, of, of Christians gathering in huddles in, in, in the open areas and praying for their country and praying for God's uh, hand over them. If you want a visual of what it means to shine bright in a dark world, it's that. That video for the last three days has been playing in my head over and over and over again. Like, God, if, if this was us, would the church arise and say, let's go stand in the middle of our streets and worship God in the middle of literal missiles raining down on them? My question is, what war are you going through that you need to invite worship into? hell are you walking through that you need God to show up in? Because if they can do it, you can too. You can shine bright for God, literally worshiping in the middle of your war, praying in the middle of your chaos. We bring a light to dark places because this is how change and salvation happens. I've always heard this statement, and I, I find it to be true. All it takes for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. Let me tweak that a little bit because I don't think there's such thing as good men. You can argue with me all day you want. I would tweak it to say all it takes for evil to triumph is for godly men and women to do nothing. Sit on their values and their morals and their spiritual truths and go, it's not my fight. It's not my battle. But it is. Because eternity is real. And, 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 and that's what Philippians is saying. is saying, hey, listen, we, we want to draw people to his heartbeat. So we have to care for one another. Hey, when, when, when Deanne and Rodney, <laughs> when the, when, and, and listen, first world problems, and they would, they would recognize it. But listen, live outside of your house for a couple of weeks. It's hard. Me and Stephanie have done it. Stephanie lived in a hotel for 56 days with two kids. God bless her. Now, at the same time, I, it may sound, you know, like, wow, dang, you're a jerk. I stayed at our house, but I slept on a couch for 56 days, me and my dog. And the whole reason why I wasn't at the uh, hotel is because we didn't have any hotels in our town that would take dogs. Me and my brother-in-law lived in a house where we had one running toilet and one bathroom. We had one running shower in a completely different bathroom, and we had the kitchen sink to wash our hands. Because our house had flooded. It would have been really easy to, God, why would you? Oh, and, and if we really want to make it a sob story, this happened three days before Christmas. Oh, poor you guys. Deanne and Rodney, we, we feel your pain. But at the same time, do we let it get us down or do we say, you know what? This too shall pass and God is good no matter where I live. No matter where I live. No matter what I go through, God is good. And I'm going to shine bright for him. I'm going to share his love with everybody that I come in contact with. I'm going to be the best version of me that I possibly can so that people would know his goodness and be drawn to him. That's what Matthew says. That we would show the world 
that we are not going to cower just because we have a bad day or we're not going to change just because we have a bad day, but we're going to love Jesus with everything we have. That's what Paul is writing to the church of Philippi. Show the world the Jesus that you're in love with. On your bad days, show your coworkers or your students or your whatever they are, your family, because they typically get the bad end of the deal, right? When you have a bad day, who gets taken out the most? Your family. What if you came home and, and you said, you know what, I'm going to give them the love that they deserve, not because I've had a good day, but because God is good. Will you pray with me, Jesus? I pray that we would live out Philippians too. God, that we would put one another first. That we would see the importance of living and loving people where, where you see them. God, that help us to see people like you see people. That we would have the attitude of Christ as we go through our day-to-day -day life and that, that we would ask, what would Jesus do? How would Jesus respond? How would Jesus speak to them? That we would change and tweak and that we would live our life for the cause of Christ. That God, we'd shine bright for you. We would shine bright in a dark world because people need to see your hope and they need to know your love and they need to know that eternity is real and that heaven is real. And Jesus, that we would stop letting the negativity overrun us and we would stop complaining, we would stop arguing, and we would start praising more. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We believe that you have good things in store. And so God, help us to dive into your word and dive into your presence and that we would dive into your goodness for our lives that we may go and live it out. God, I pray that daily we would spend time with you. We love you, Father. God, we once again, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine and we pray, God, let us learn from them. Let us learn from them. Let us be encouraged by how the, the church of Ukraine is rising up and sharing your goodness and love in the middle of their war. Protect them, guide them, give them your strength and your boldness. God, I pray that you would have your hand over them. Let this war come to a quicker end. We love you, Jesus, and we look forward to life groups starting this week. We look forward to doing life together. God, build this church on your foundation, and we proclaim your fame everywhere we go, that, God, we would make use of our life. We love you, Jesus. We bless you through this week. Give us opportunity to speak of your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.